0: Welcome to Team Super Dad. In this episode, I speak to John Campbell, football director, captain of merchant ships, sex coach, and simply an awesome guy with an amazing life story. I know you're going to love it. Enjoy. Roll theme.
1: Welcome to Team Super Dad. Real dads creating their best lives ever. More time, more money, more fun. You are not alone. You're on Team Super Dad.
0: Hello, welcome to the Team Super Dad podcast. My name is Johnny Jensen. I'm the founder and creator of the Team Super Dad community. We are a community of dads kickstarting our lives, and that's especially dads after divorce, separation, or loss. But everyone's welcome. And this is the podcast. So each week we speak to uh, coaches, entrepreneurs, sports people, famous, and also everyday dads with a story to tell. There really is nothing that we can't achieve in life. And so often we lose track of where we wanted to get to, the things that we wanted, the amount of fun we need, money, as we like to say, be more, earn more, play more. And so welcome if you're here for the first time. If you're a regular listener, then it's great to have you back. Of course, if you love this show, then uh, give me some feedback because that helps me improve it. If you don't like it, well, feedback as well Helps. but more important than anything I would love you to give us a review on iTunes uh, iTunes more than any other platform is important uh, the the reviews the positive reviews help get your podcast featured if you don't listen on podcast if you don't listen on iTunes then by all means leave us a review wherever you're listening uh, my favorite app on the iPhone is breaker it's a really socially engaged uh, podcasting app. Uh, app, but wherever you listen, Spotify, we're on Spotify, YouTube, uh, app- Apple uh, Music, so iTunes, and Google Play, <laughs> where else? Basically, we're everywhere. So thanks wherever you are listening in. Like I said, today's camp, uh, interview is with John Campbell, awesome guy. Um, he's, he's in his seventies. Um, but he speaks with all the um, energy of, of a young guy, uh, but he has such wisdom and so many awesome stories to tell, um, both from his family, his parents growing up in Africa and India, um, stories of alcoholism, um, stories of, of, of his new wife and being a sex coach and also working with football stars and athletes. And so just a really amazing guy. I wish I don't, that's not fat. I don't mean I wish like I couldn't have it, but when you speak to people like John, you realize how important it is to have people like him in your life, just to give you a fresh perspective, to give you encouragement, to really help you see, um, the opportunities that lie out there and how we can and how we can actually make them happen so enjoy the episode enjoy the podcast if you're a dad if you are a famous uh, or someone who you think would be a great uh, guest on the show maybe that's you or maybe you know someone then put them in touch with me you can also go and uh, see the briefing um, notes on bitly that's bit.ly forward slash tsd briefing as in team super dad briefing so tsd briefing and yeah and it's not only men that we want to talk to. There's loads of mums out there, loads of women. I'm interviewing a a woman on Sunday. We're going to be doing uh, affirmations, talking about the power of affirmations and and speaking good words into your life. And so, yeah, this really is about Uh, empowering dads, empowering people like yourself and I to kickstart their life in the area of money and fun, relationships, um, work of course um, and and most important than anything having a great time with our kids. So without further ado uh, let's get on with the episode. I know you're going to enjoy it and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, uh, welcome to the Team Super Dad podcast. It's me, Johnny Jensen, here, uh, founder uh, of Team Super Dad and coach of Super Dads Everywhere. As always, we have great guests on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I rue the day when we have a rubbish one, <laughs> but today, uh, today is, is no exception. And I'm really delighted to introduce John Campbell to you all. Good afternoon, John.
1: Good afternoon, Johnny. Great to be
0: with you and all your oh, guests. I've lost, I've lost sound on you, John. Hold tight. I've lost sound on John. Hang on. It's probably me. Hang on. It is me. Hadn't <laughs> <laughs> hadn't lost sound at all. You're actually in my ears. Come on. You can hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, it wasn't you. It was me. So I can play games by like going. I know you can now pretend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there we go. That's, that just shows we're live. That's that's always good. People people love to know that you are, are actually live. So John, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? I mean, it's, there's there's so many cool things about you. I just put in the sort of in the in the little bio. We've got a, um, a former uh, Brighton director. We've got a, a dad, a grandfather, uh, a coach to 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 footballers and, and athletes around the world. There's I, I wasn't quite sure from our previous conversation, but there's some kind of is it like sex coach thing somewhere in there
1: as well? What is, what's the, yeah, yeah. there we go. We'll get onto that as well. Um, <laughs> we might we might leave that to last since that's the last thing I learned to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That's
0: what you were telling me. Yeah. So yeah. John, why don't you do, do your intro uh, uh, proud and tell, tell us about yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, where have I I've been on a journey, Ronnie. Uh, Johnny? it has been magnificent. You know, I call it awakening journey because I think every one of us, is asleep when we first come in and you know we all have different paths different journeys no one is wrong no one is right but when when it's your time to wake up i think it's your time to wake up uh i was born in india uh i feel very blessed and appreciative now because i was born into a culture that was very free i was raised in africa um, my mum was alcoholic, which was a wonderful gift to me because it meant she didn't worry about me. She was <laughs> she was off she was off, off her head most of the time. So I was free bird, you see. So in those early years, I was totally free. I did, never went to school, didn't have any schooling. So my days were playing, playing with my you know playing with the natives, really, the locals and the animals and what have you. And were you there for your dad's work or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad uh, had worked overseas for many 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 years you know he met my mother um <clears throat> in malaya and well, no, i in london took her to malaya married her during the and then the japanese invaded and they escaped he how old are you john <laughs> <laughs> well some people I'm, I'm i'm 73 i feel like 33 <laughs> and some people say i'm 2003 so there you go Yes. Yeah, so are you, uh,
0: I'm, oh. I my mean, my dad's seventy six. I got a neighbour next to me who's eighty three, and and uh, so it's it's. Uh, I think I, we our, our old people are getting younger. I think, um, which is yeah. which can only be good for it's, me as I start to yeah. get.
1: Older. The more people are, are waking up, and there's a lot of people realising now that you know we are what we think about. Yeah, so I like to think young thoughts and be you know thinking good things. Yeah. So that that was my life early on, and um, then we came to England when I was nine for the first time. Was it seven, eight, eight? I suppose I was, yeah. And it was a terrible shock to me. First of all, the cold. Never been used to the cold. I'd been born in India, raised in Africa, two different countries in Africa and Australia. And so that was a shock. And going to school was a shock. You know, my mother's, you know, went home Went home the first day of said, So, well, that was interesting. But what do I do yeah. tomorrow? And she said, you go there every day. And I nearly <laughs> went into You know, I thought, well, I can't, can't go there every day, you know. So I just, you know, went through primary school and um, lots of things happened. And went there from there on to, I got the 11 plus, went to grammar school. And uh, whereabouts in the UK were you living? Uh, in Sussex. When we first came to England, we lived for a year in, in a little place called Cooden Beach near Bex Hill. And then my mum did what alcoholics will recognize as a geographical. She managed to convince my dad that the reason she drank was because of the place we were... (laughs) (laughs) It's a classic, by the way. It's a classic. So he bought that one. Yeah, okay, we'll we'll move. So we all moved uh, further along in Sussex to Burgess Hill. And that's where I went for my last couple of years in primary school. And uh, then went to grammar school in Brighton. Um, So I went on the train every day, you know, down to Brighton from Burgess Hill and back again. It was an all boys school. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I didn't take it seriously. I didn't. I didn't think that's what school was for. I always thought it was to have fun. So, and I was lucky. I was in the C stream, and one C's <laughs> fellow school. If there are any of them watching, remember one C were put into a classroom called the shack, and the shack was fantastic because it was an old wooden army Nissen shack, you know, and it was across the other side of the playground. So we had the advantage that when the master was coming to deliver the next lesson, we'd see he had to come out of the main building and he had to walk right across the parade ground, which was our playground as well. Yeah. So we had all this time to get ourselves back in order because we used to have mayhem in between lessons. So Good basically fun. they put
0: all the troublemakers in the same class. And yeah, put I think
1: that was the idea. Really, on the other side of the playground. The yeah, of the- in case
0: anyone's like r- wondering, bit of a bit of a uh, context there, Brighton is is pretty much a a party town. It is also historical, uh, comes up in, uh, regularly comes up in the top 10 places to live. Um, I did used to live there actually. uh, And curiously, my ex-wife didn't really like it there. And she promised me things would be better when we moved. (laughs) (laughs) She wasn't a boozer, but uh, I certainly got a geographical done on me there. Uh, So yeah, so Brighton's Brighton, I mean, Brighton was a lot of fun, it's always been a lot of fun, really. As far as I understand, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing was, I, I'm not trying to be funny, but I always, I had a lot of wisdom as a young boy. Yeah, you know, I knew I used to question things. You see, I used to say, "Well, why?" Well, they weren't used to that. You see, they weren't used to a 12 year old questioning the teacher. Well, why? I wouldn't know why. You no, basically that, came from a different culture, basically. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I kind of, I, I couldn't understand why they wasted time trying to force information into our young minds about subjects we haven't got the slightest interest in. That, to me, was already dawning on me at 11, 12 years of age. Yeah. So i just have fun. You know, if I wasn't interested in the subject, I just wouldn't have any notice, play around. And, you know, they used to say things to me like, in my school reports, every school report said, John is a daydreamer. <laughs> John is hampered by a poor memory. None of which, well, I was a daydreamer because I realized the power of visualization, even at that age, because that's what I was doing. Again, what? Is that a cult- culturally as well? Is that,
0: that's kind of something you, would, you were encouraged to do in India as opposed to what is... Dis- no,
1: I don't know what it was, Johnny. I just I just thought, well, if I'm not interested in this subject, what am I interested in? So I'd start focusing on what I want to do. So I focused on travelling the world because I was already a born traveller, you know, a world traveller at the age of 12. So I, found, I, I wanted to get away from home. That was number one. So I would visualise going to all these countries and travelling the world and, and of course it all happened. Yeah. yeah. And the memory thing, when they say he's hampered by poor memory, I wasn't, I've got, I've got I mean, my wife. Will tell me, she says, I can't believe your memory. And what they didn't realize the teachers bless their souls. They didn't realize I wasn't interested in remembering what they wanted me to remember. Yeah, That's all yeah. it was. But give me something I, I'm interested in. Cool. Oh, I can pluck it out like that. You know?
0: yeah, yeah. Awesome. And listen, John, just for context, let's just explain to everybody what you do now kind of thing. And then, and then we'll come back to come yeah, back yeah, sure. to where, where we're at. Yeah. It'll just, it'll just give some context to all this yeah, sure, story sure. that you're telling sure. and, and different questions yeah, yeah. we're going to ask about as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, what, I, what, I, what I, I don't even like the word teaching. What I introduce people to who, who are ready, Annie and I use a term, we, we only work with people leaning forward.
0: And Annie's your current wife and business yes. partner. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, she's amazing, yeah. So we work with people that are leaning forward because it's too much hard work for those who are leaning backwards. We give them yeah. that up. We tried that. It not work. So the ones who are leaning forward, we actually teach them that if they get – if they understand how their mind works, they can change their whole life. And you see, most people, I would say everybody – does what they do in life for one reason really. We're all wired to what the world would be called selfishness, which is not really a negative thing. We do what we do because we think by doing it we're gonna feel good. And that closes everything. Like Mother Teresa did wonderful work in the world. But really underneath it was because what she did made her feel good. She felt good. Yeah. By all that help she gave. So that's the same with everybody. So what we introduce people to is a concept instead of looking for something outside of yourself, thinking that's going to make you feel good. Every single person has the power to feel good first and then just watch how, what they enjoy and what they like will come, come through them. You know, it's, we all say, Johnny, it's, it's simple, so simple and not easy because of the way we're hardwired. If you go around, if anybody goes around and just spend a day, so I'm just going to go I'm going to listen to conversations, okay, amongst the public, you know, whatever, whether it's on the radio, whether it's in a cafe, whether it's on the beat, whatever, I guarantee you 90% of the conversations people will be talking about what they don't like. Yeah. They'll be having a moan about something. Even when I, do, when I coach people, I say, first thing I want you to do, I want you to go around, and every time you go in a shop or a store or whatever – Always say, how are you today? And oh, I guarantee, to you, 99% will say, not bad.
0: Yeah, John, I was about to say that. And I was about to say, <laughs> I, I, what I hate the most is when people say that. Because genuinely, when I say to someone, how are you? I'm actually interested in how they are. And they don't even hear the question. They just give their automatic answer of, not, not too bad, thanks. And I'm like, that doesn't even mean anything. And if it, even if it did... It's actually quite negative. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because so I always I have a stock thing and I love it because I feel good when I do it. I say to my head, do they?" And they go, "Not bad." And I go, "Oh, that means pretty good." Yeah, yeah. So what I say, like, I'm way. doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So that's so, so the teaching is as simple as that. We have a we have a little game we play. We say we have to eliminate the four C's, and the four C's are complaining, criticizing, comparing, and controlling. Now, that's a task. That is a tough order. It is a task. That's why why I was so keen and
0: interested to to do this today. You know, when I came across you you via Gary Stevens, the former Tottenham and England uh, player. So it's great to get connected that way. But then when I saw your videos and heard you speaking about these things and the different way you were talking about how this impacts footballers and athletes, and, and, you know, to me, I just thought, wow, this is a whole paradigm that many dads – won't be aware of when they're looking at their relationship with their kids and their relationship with their ex, the success they're having in their career and life and everything. This, this is a, this is like a hidden wall for many people. Um, and and they don't even know it's there. They're, They're butting up against it, wondering why things aren't quite going so well. So, you know, having, having you on today and hearing, yeah, about, about your story and about how you came to this, but also some insights that people can get access to, you know, breaking through that, those four c's that you just that you just spoke about is, yeah. is is brilliant.
1: Well yeah thank you Johnny and it is true. I mean I can honestly say that I my life today is constantly joyous, happy and free. Who would you have want that? Yeah. Yeah I, and you see the thing is I think that's the desire of every human being is freedom really freedom freedom to be themselves, you know. Yeah. And, and I haven't always been like that. That's the thing I want people to know. Perfect. Well, let's I get on to both always, those things. I want yeah, to get yeah. onto
0: how people can access that, but I also want to, yeah. sort of, to sort of dig through some of, some of how, that, how it didn't always be that way. So you mm. were talking about school earlier. How much of an influence on your, on your childhood was your dad?
1: Well, I don't know where to start here. Well, I'll come straight in with this one. I think I mentioned offline, you know, when we were phoning. I found out only two years ago that the man who I thought was my dad for 71 years, you know, yep. I'm 73 now, was not my dad. Wow. Was not my biological father. And that was something that came to me as a feeling for the last 10 years. And it took me 10 years before uncovering and going going and doing a test with my, with my uh, young nephew to confirm that there is no way his grandfather could have been my uh, – his great-grandfather could have – no, sorry, his grandfather could have been my father. Yeah. So – but the man who raised me as often is the case he was my model he was my male model you know he was a very kind very gentle he was a disabled man born disabled with a de- uh, deformity of his left leg so he couldn't fight in the military he had a lot of shame around that which i then picked up on and uh, and he was a doormat basically you know my, he absolutely adored my mother Absolutely adored. She was a very beautiful, elegant. You know, came from quite a wealthy background. And I think he, what he told me once when he, when he was on his, you know, towards the end, and he said, I said, why did you stay? Because she was pretty, pretty hardcore. Yeah. And he said, your mother was such a beautiful woman, and I'm a cripple, and that really brought me to tears. You know, to think he. He thought he was his disability, but he right, was a good yeah, yeah. guy. So he had a, a big influence. It, it, it uh, I became very similar in that respect. I attracted not the most uh, gentle of, of people in my life, you know, uh, but also gave me tremendous positive, you know, he was a very, very kind. Um, yeah, and he loved, loved, loved his kids. And I mean, he knew that I was not his child. He didn't know he didn't tell me, but yeah, he yeah. knew. And he treated me, if anything, and I used to find it was uncomfortable. So I mean, he probably treated me better than he did uh, his own son, who I thought was my full brother, but was my half-brother. Wow. So I was the youngest. So, yeah, he was. Um, yeah, had a big influence on me with my football, my love of football. He, was, he loved, his, loved his sport. Where was he from? Who did he support? Fulham. Fulham he was born in London yeah 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 oh I mean he tells me I've got to share this story just for people who are football lovers to see how the game has changed he took me to Fulham Craven Cottage when a guy called Toss Chamberlain some of your older viewers might have heard of him he was a winger played for, for Fulham uh, and Johnny Haynes who was captain of England at the time and at imperious football, I mean, wonderful pass of the ball, you know. He was captain of Fulham, and he was the first person to break the wage thing when they, when they were used to be on £20 a week, and he was the first £100 a week player. Okay. And Johnny Haynes used to ping these 40-yard balls out to Tosh on the right wing. And, you know, Tosh would pick his foot up, his right foot up to trap the ball and it would go under his foot out for a throw into to the other side. And Johnny Haynes was a little bit, people would say he was arrogant. You know, he was so good. And he was standing with his hands on his hips, shaking his head, you see. Well, he did this one too many times in this match. So Tosh walks across to the dugout where they just used to throw their tracksuits in the dugout in those days. You know, no subs, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And he went to the... Dugout pulled his tracksuit, pulled pulled out his wood bones, and sat and lit up a wood one in the middle of, the, of what, what is equivalent of a Premier League game. And I think that's a great story to tell you, though. Totally.
0: Well, apparently at Tottenham, um, they used to literally um, not all players. I think, I think apparently George Best was known to do this as well. Run out at half time and have a have a swift half at the, oh, yeah. at, the, at, the at the pub oh, yeah. on the corner.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, in those days, it was regular thing. They'd have a bottle of brandy in a dressing room. Yeah. And everybody, everybody would have a nip of brandy. Yeah. Now, I understand that, especially having gone down the, down the drinking road myself. I don't drink now, as you know, for 20 years I'm drunk. But I understand that because that's what it does. Yeah. yeah it takes it takes away any fear. Oh, my God, you can take on the world when you've had that little nip Yeah, true, out. true. But so that you was what so um, made me fall in love with football.
0: Yeah, fall in love with football. And so you're living in Brighton, and. What happened? What happened after school? What, how did you get on at school? What,
1: what, what happened afterwards? Well, I, uh, I'm, I messed around for five years, so I failed all my GCSEs. And uh, dad called me in and said, "You've got to get your backside in the gear." You got so I just decided, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go. And I decided I wanted to go to C because it was my fastest route ever <laughs> to get away from from home. Right? Yeah. So I just got my head down and I got I got five O levels. Uh, I got an A level in art. I was very gifted in art. I had my first drawings published in a, in a little book when I was doing my studies at grammar school and um, yeah I sailed through got five O levels and then took off for the Merchant Navy uh, and started my own journey and uh, I mean I was so terrified I was so anxious in those days I can remember I joined my first ship and obviously I was a cadet, I was an officer cadet and all the other officers were in a gold band, you know, one ring, two rings three rings, captain, four rings and all that and going into the i was terrified sitting at the officers in the officers wardroom dining room for dinner or lunch whatever and all this gold brass all around me you know i was terrified i was just mortified terrified and i was not old enough to drink i was only 17 and the captain called me when i signed on and he said listen young man you know you're under a, i was indentured apprentice and that makes the captain responsible for you right he said you you're not allowed to drink alcohol all right you understand that you know i said okay no problem and I can remember going into the officer's bar, which was very grand, a you know, crystal row with a steward all done in his white jacket. And I mean, all the big time and all these officers with gold bands around. You. And I'm sneaking up to the bar for the first time. And the steward says to me, what would you like to drink? And I said, an orange juice, please. And just then, this group of officers to one side happened to burst out laughing. I was so self-set, so self I thought they were laughing at me and I flaked out. I flaked out through anxiety, thinking they were. I fainted. Yeah, I fainted. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so from then on, so then on, that's when I discovered alcohol was a great help to me. So from then on, this is typical. I used to go into the engineers' mess because the engineers in their boiler suits couldn't come into the Yeah, you know, They had to, They had a special mess room, so they had their own fridge in there with beers in there, and I used to go in there. Sink a couple of beers to give me the courage to go in our bar and ask for an orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> got it.
0: <laughs> so before I forget, right, what so what would you what would you what would you say to a dad who's trying to encourage their teenager who's a bit of a tear away at school and he's got to get knuckled down and just get some kind of a quality? what would, what would you be saying to 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 your seven to your fifteen, sixteen-year-old self at that
1: time in school as a dad? What I would be saying to him is there's something which you love and you enjoy. What, whatever it is, find out what it is. And if they say, I don't know what it is, I said, all right, close your eyes and imagine you've got a million quid in the bank and you've got no family. What would make your heart sing to do as a, you know, as a job? Whatever that is, that's what you're going to be doing. Yeah, because the majority of people... Tap into your intuition. Yeah, exactly. Tap into yeah. The majority of people get influenced by a, whoa, whoa, is it going to bring enough money, or B, or B, what are the family going to say? Yeah, if it doesn't fit the family, <laughs> it's all unconsciousness, you know. Yeah, well, a lot and of Asian was...
0: families struggle with that. Um, Jewish families, yes. um, their sort of predefined route is, if it's not what you want to do, then what the hell do you do?
1: That's right. That's right. So, so that to answer your question, I'd be saying to him, find out what you love doing. There's got to be something you love doing and do it. Uh, don't don't um, be respectful in the classes you're in with subjects that you're not the slightest bit interested in. So, that was, you know, make sure you honour other people who are wanting to learn that subject. But if you're not, just take it in. Don't, don't be worried about it. And certainly take no notice of exams. I say to I said to my my own kids I said exams just think of exams as a way the authorities need to check and see how good their teachers are. True. Don't take it to mean anything about you. It's just a number. Yeah, yeah. And to focus on you know appreciating themselves and, and well now with the knowledge I have now I'd be teaching them to get rid of the four C's. Don't complain. Don't criticize. Don't compare. And don't control.
0: Yeah. Well, let's get on to that as a, as a framework shortly. What? So how many kids have you got then? Six. Six?
1: Six that I know about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to have people. to do
0: a lot more shagging before I start having that, that uh, problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say. Well, I've been to 103 different countries the last time I checked. Wowzers. So oh, because
0: of the sailing stuff?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. and business travel. Business, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So where so we went? how long did you stay in the Navy for? And, and, and you know, in, in amongst all that, I, where know, did you make I, your first
1: wife? Well, I, I, uh, I went in at 17. Uh, I became a captain at 26. I was the youngest guy on the first ship I was captain of, which was, oh, did they take the piss out of me, I tell you. Full, wow. The full crew from the Humberside, Hull. They were piss takers. And um, I left
0: when I was... That's pretty impressive, by the way. I, I don't think we can just skirt past that. I mean, I, don't, well, I, don't, I, can't, a... I can't contextually yeah. get it other than we just went from talking about the officer's mess and, and the grandeur mm. of it to yeah. 11 years later, you're, you're, the, you're the captain yeah. of your own ship.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was amazing, really. I mean, I, I got married quite young to my first wife, to my, my eldest daughter's mum. And uh, um, the marriage broke up uh, after a couple of years, maybe two, three years. Um, and I, I left. I was in Shell tankers, which I found complete boring. I've never been one good for bullshit, Johnny. And there was more bullshit in Shell than there ever was in the Royal Fleet Auxiliary, which I started with. You know. So, the, in other words, we'd be in the Persian Gulf, two o'clock in the morning, 110 degrees. And the captain would shout at me to put my shirt on. And I'm thinking, who am I putting my shirt on for? You know, middle of the Persian Gulf. Any all that shit. So my desire was, I kept thinking, one day, when I'm gonna be captain, I'm gonna be so good. I'm gonna be good to the guys. I'm gonna make sure the ship is well fed, because when you're at sea, that's all you look forward to is your food and your money. So that was a big driving force for me, to be the one to make the decisions to make people's lives better. Already I had that kind of feeling. So when I eventually got into the supply boat game um, and I was captain. I had a ball, and we had a ball, and we—I would divert the ship, divert course to go and visit these unvisited islands, <laughs> and we put the put the lifeboat over with a you know two cases of beer and a few roast chickens, and go off and mix with the local ladies. We had a ball.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. The world's changed. Maybe the world hasn't changed for people in those kind of jobs, but I think you know my dad used to—he was into motor racing and and. and he was a um, works Ford and Toyota rally driver, um, you know, Strat- Lancia Stratos. You know, they used to do crazy stuff. They'd have rallies in the middle of the night, just you know, wherever they wanted to start one. They would, they you know, the the the, the parties and the the women and the you know, and, and literally then go get up the next morning and be like, right, they're on the start of the of an international rally and they're off. You know, kind of obviously, sport is is far more professional and stuff now, but. You do wonder if people are having as much fun. My dad says to me, problem is, son, you're not having enough enough fun.
1: Yeah. And Look, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. And a classic example is, I mean, I, I literally did that. I was on a journey from, um, where did I, I signed up, I signed on the vessel in uh, Djibouti, in what was then the French territory, the FRs and ESAs, And I was going down to Mauritius. And I thought, oh my, I looked at the chart. I saw there was a virtually uninhabited island. There was just a few, you know, I was going to have a look at that. So I diverted off and we have, we put the boat down. We had a back. they call them banyans. You put the boat down, get some beer, have some chickens, have some fun, come back to the boat. and We went going again. No questions asked, you know, now from, from some time, officers on the watch of vessels have their own color. So the chief officer has a, maybe a red pen. I don't know what it's. Second officer will have a blue pen, pencil, yeah. And the third officer will have a green pencil. And at the end of their watch they have to mark where the ship's position is. And at the end of a voyage, all the charts go to head office to be calculated how much miles you any officer wasted on their watch. They could you know, if they went three miles yeah. off course or two. I mean let not. alone detour and go and have some fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But you're right. It's it's, it's, it's got so serious. And and that's what I bring into everything now is got to have fun. I've got to have fun. Everything's got to be joy. Football's got to be joy. One of the biggest problems I see in the game is teams where they're there's lack of joy and fun.
0: Well, Mourinho, blimey. Yeah. That man lacks joy.
1: Yeah. But but you see, there's a classic case of somebody that came in like a breath of fresh air, if you remember, when he came from Porto. But then that thing called EGO. The Ego starts and rises and raises its rotten head, you know. And I always say, "Ego, ego." The ego means easing God out. Yeah. 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 It's uh, when, you
0: when start, I go. When I go. Yeah, that's like <laughs> yeah, me that's having a, <laughs> a moment. Yeah, yeah. I say this to, to, to various guests. Yeah. I'm like, "Whoa!"
1: I just wonder well, my mind there. The, and, and, the, and the word, of course, I realise the word "God" can can. Really trigger some people, but you see, I don't think God's got anything to do with religion. Nothing <laughs> to me. God is just—it's a, a word for love, unconditional love. You know?
0: Oh, I, 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 I find that's very
1: interesting. Yeah, I have similar I views
0: on on faith. Is yeah. to think that one faith is wrong over another faith. I, I, yeah. I, I don't get. You know, if 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 we come from different parts of the world, you know, if ultimately, if our faith is a pretty wholesome faith, which yeah. I think most most mainstream faiths are pretty wholesome, yeah. then who are we to each tell each other that our gods are first of all different, let alone better than each other's. The likelihood is that it's a God for all seasons kind of it's <laughs> adapted to fit a culture as I know it's perhaps not a truly biblical view, but, but certainly as I see God operate in the world today, I think it's just, you know, it's generally a force for good. And, a, and, yeah. and if we could unite behind that as a faith, Then then we do stand a chance of not blowing ourselves into smithereens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think people are waking up to that. And for me, I I I got great. I have a lot of fun with words. You know, I love words because they're very. And I always look at the word God, and the word Love, and the word Now, all have in the middle of them one big zero. One big zero. Love God Now. They all have this big zero, and I, I think there's a message there that it's a circle, and it's nothing. It's now. Love. That's
0: what God is. It's love. It? So what's the encouragement there for you, for people, to be to be present in the moment, or what, what are you saying?
1: Yeah, well, to become aware, first of all, to become aware of all of their triggers in life. You know, what triggers you? Well, it's, you know, that's always a healing. It's just a, a sign there's something to be healed. For me, I, I happen to use the tool of forgiveness, but it's a different type of forgiveness. And, and because, you see, peace and love and joy are our natural states. That's our natural state. So I will say to people, what went wrong? And what went wrong is, in my belief now, is that we forgot who we are. We forgot that that's who we are. And we got further and further and further and further away until the pain of staying the same gets bigger than the fear of making a change, and that's where we come on our journey. And, and I believe everybody will be led to a point in their lives where this is not working, whether it's in a work, work situation, relationship, or whatever, and that creates a – and, you know, even, even in football, you know, you talk about Mourinho. Mourinho is a man, in my opinion, he's in so much pain. So we're talking about uh, like upset
0: upon upset upon upset, yeah, yeah. guilt, resignation, fear, mm-hmm. this kind of baggage that we end up carrying around with ourselves.
1: Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the sign, the red flag, is when we start blaming everybody else. And if you think of Mourinho's, especially, it got worse and worse and worse, in my own opinion, but everything was everybody else. It was the media, it was this, it was that, it was this, and nobody loves me, and blah, 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 blah. There's the sign. The minute we start pointing the finger, and I say to my, coaching clients, always look and see when you're pointing the finger of blame at somebody else, it's very symbolic. we have got one finger pointing at them, but we've got three fingers pointing back at us. That's as a little reminder to take our focus off them and focus onto us.
0: Yeah. Well, I know my marriage and everything, you know, there's, there's, there's obviously a lot of upset, the breakdown, the blame, but somewhere has to come on the journey, a a, a look in the mirror to see, well, what, what could I be responsible for? And when you start asking yourself that question, suddenly so much appears. You're, like looking, you're now looking again at what went wrong, but from a what was my role in that? How could I be more responsible? If and then, and then something I found very positive is keep going back. Well, well, what caused that? Well, what caused that? Well, what caused that? Uh, and what caused that? Oh my gosh, I caused that. <laughs> you know, not not wrong or blame. No, no, but but when when anybody can start to take a look at the situation and realize that they have some function in it they had some responsibility, then freedom comes from that because and quite often you know in um even communicating that to the person the ex or whatever or the person you're upset with, you can create a, some freedom in that relationship and 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 that's really important for me looking at at dads and people rebuilding their lives and having strong positive relationships in their life somewhere or another that relationship with our with our ex and their family, their friends, when it's left as a big stink, it's quite a massive shadow on, on, on one's life, really. Um, so I think, so you know, in what, in what you're sharing there, and I see that, I, I heard in that, in that big zero, in, the, in those important words, that really being present to where am I at? What's going on? What can, where, where, how can I enjoy today more? What can a baby be responsible for? That's yeah. what I heard
1: yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up the words responsible, you see. Again, I I love words. You see, if you say something, how do you spell responsible? They'll tell you, you know, are you responsible? And I always write it response A-B-L-E instead of I-B-L-E. And I say, because really the word means able to respond. And when people look at responsibility as ability to respond rather than responsibility, you know, something on my shoulders – It changes. And my life changed when I was able and honest enough to acknowledge I was 100% responsible for everything in my life, everything. Now, that is a big ask of people. It took me a long time before I truly acknowledged that. And then I used a little analogy with people. I say, well, hang on, tell me about all the terrible things that have happened in your life. So they'd, they'd, you know go on this great thing and explain all these terrible things. And I said, okay, they all seem different, different places, different people, different things, all the rest of it. What's the one common denominator in all of it? It's you (laughs) or it's me, you know, it's me. Oh, okay, never thought about that. So I'm the one that can change everything. And I truly believe, Johnny, I truly believe that you don't have to worry about the ex or the ex-employer or whatever. If you do the work on yourself and your relationship with them, in your head, in your head and your heart, you don't have to run around and start giving them hugs and telling them all. You know? If you do that work, it has to change. It's almost like uh, our life and our relationships is like a mobile that you hang over a kiddie's cot. You know, If you move one part of that mobile, all the rest of the mobile starts to shift. So that's the beauty of this work. I don't have to worry. See, when I broke up from my last wife, it was... I just want to be friends. You know, I just said, look, I know it's over. It's time to move on. No, nobody else involved. I just said, it's time to be on. Yeah, yeah, And just for context, she, when,
0: when that was, that's, you had four kids with the second wife? Five. Five, five kids with second wife. Yeah. And, and you were together how that,
1: long? 27 years. 27, 27 years. years. Yeah, And I knew, I knew in my deepest soul, I knew that the work was done. I had to move on. And I was just like, oh, I'll just get a house down the road, you know, and every, everything will be fine. But of course, that's not where she was. She was, so she was upset. Yeah, she's angry. She's angry, you know. Yeah. So she rebelled against me, you know, in a really tough way, especially around the kids. Not wanting, you know. Eventually, when I got into this work, which I'll talk about later, the Course in Miracles, I started to do the work. So I would do visualizations and picture her in in a golden circle. I'd bring into some into my consciousness somebody who I really was at peace with in my life, what I loved, and they loved me. And, I was, and I'd get a picture of them, then I'd get a picture of my ex-wife, and then I'd merge the two in, art, in a circle of golden light into one picture in my mind. And, you know, this is leading-edge stuff. A lot of people turn and say, I want a load of old wallet. That's okay, it's not my work. What other people think of me is none of my business. I know it works. And when people experience it, that's when they're... That's when they change. They say, oh my God, this works. And the great thing is about this type of work, you don't have to understand it. You don't have to believe it even. If you do it, it works. And that's a great thing because so much of our programming is we have to understand everything. We have to understand. No, no, we don't have to understand. We have to experience. Truly, truly. Yes.
0: And, and um, I was listening to some Wayne Dyer the other day and, and someone else put the, uh, the day before that, I can't remember, but, but, you know, he was saying, we, you know, we talk about, oh, well, I'm, I'm listening to Stefan, uh, um, Stefan Arnio's book, um, Hard Times Create Strong Men. Great book. I listened to a lot of books rather than, rather than read them. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was talking about faith and saying, you know, well, whether you believe in God or not, there's too much weird stuff goes on in this world to say that we just got out of the sea one day and evolved into 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 who we are there's too many coincidences there's too many like, how did all the other Neander- neanderthal races whatever not make it and and we did how how come so much of our fruit and veg is shaped like parts of our body and the, and they actually help us treat those parts of the there's too many coincidences in the world and then if you're going to say Oh, I don't believe in a higher spirit or God or whatever because I can't see it. Well, we 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 believe that our mobile phones work. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, that yeah. We, idea. we we don't we don't question what electricity's done when exactly. we put the light switch on, we just put it on and it's there. Yeah. So I I think so for, for me
0: when people can tap into that and realize yeah. you know, if you don't have to believe in God to actually realize okay, so having a faith, having having an awareness that we are spirit bodies, not just physical bodies. Mm is an access to, to a whole world of possibilities and connections and healing. And, and, um, I got, uh, uh you know, talking to some guy the other day who was, was, it was pretty depressed and, and, and really doubting every single thing that was going on in the world, but he was so shut off to everything that he, it was, it was all about what he could see and touch. And, and that looked sure. pretty bad at that moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and I mean, I love, I love, uh, I did a lot of reading when I started to wake up because I didn't read anything until I was in my 50s, Till I started to wake up. Um And I, I read a lot of uh, Sufi books from the Sufi masters, like Hafiz was a Sufi poet, and he had a lovely phrase. He said, in the end, all human beings only have two choices. They either come to God dressed for dancing, or they get wheeled into God's ward on a stretcher. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's beautiful. And it's people, you know, they, God. The word God gets a bad rap because of certain religious programming, you know. But I understand what he's talking about, and and I see it happening. I see it happening in my family, my friends, in the greater world. Whenever it looks as though oh something terrible is happening in their life, I always know no 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 no. This is just a little. That's they're in the wheelchair getting into God's waters. They're not necessarily going in on a stretcher. They might be going on walking sticks even, you know. I went in on walking sticks in my book, you know. I was lucky I didn't get to the the stretcher. But everything that seems to be going wrong in our life is truly a gift. And my wife, Annie, you know, I mean, she was a total non-believer. She was a scientist. She's a neuroscientist, PhD from Oxford, real bub, bub, bub in the head, you know. Didn't believe in anything that you couldn't touch, feel, smell, taste, whatever. And then when her husband of 27 years passed away, uh, she was with him. She, they knew it was going to happen, you know. She'd been with him sort of at the end there for the last week. And, and then when he took his last breath, it was a summer's day, and she saw, she actually saw a ball of golden light leave his body and go out through the window. And it scared the shit out of her. You know, she was a scientist. She didn't believe anything like that. But what it did, that was her wake-up call. Wow. And when she started to Google it, she found it was a very common... Common. occurrence. Yeah. And that led her to reading a book by um, Eckhart Tolle, which you've probably heard of, called The Power of Now. And in The Power of Now, she came across A Course in Miracles, which is how we met eventually many years later. If so you, anyway, by the way, if you, if
0: you send me these uh, books in an email afterwards, I'll put them in the, in the notes of the show. Yeah, so sure.
1: You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... It, it, what, what's fascinating, Johnny, and we're writing about it now together, um, is when I look back, when she looks back on her life, we can see all the dots. You can see how, oh, wow, that led me to this, and that. Yeah. There. Oh, 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 there. And, you know, it's like, it's just, it's uncanny, the different things that wake us up. It's like I didn't have any belief in the afterlife or anything else. And I had a captain working for me. This is when I started my own business. I owned own ships. And his wife was Norwegian, and I thought she was cooking. Same as a lot of people thought I was cooking when I got into all this stuff. It's the same thing. And she was always going on about this stuff, and she told me about a book called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, which I'm sure you've heard of. And she gave me the book, and I read a couple of monsters. It became my Bible, eventually, I can tell you. But what happened with this woman, I realise now she was a, a an angel sent to me, if you like, to wake me up, because... I was back in England and um, her husband was captain on one of our ships and she used to phone me from Norway. And every time she phoned, I used to say to myself, oh, I'll tell her I'm not very well She's crazy. She phoned me up one day and she said, John, could you please contact my husband and tell him to be very, very careful, you know, a Norwegian accent I'm trying to do, on the starboard side of his vessel, be very careful. And I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Two weeks later, telephone rings, and it's her husband from the ship. And he says, Captain John, I'm sorry, I have to report, there's been an accident. One of our sailors has fall, fallen over the side of the ship and is churned up in the propeller, dead as a And I went, oh, my God. I said, Captain Finn, what side of the vessel? And he said, starboard side. And I thought, wow, that's exactly yeah. what she told me. So what's all that about? Anyway, so I realized she was a... What I like to call now cooperative components that come into our lives to help shake us a bit, you know, so from that moment, I started to read that book you can Eat your life and then I started to read lots of books and then it was just it was just an accumulation of learning really
0: yeah, and I think that's so you called it an awakening you know for, for me it was really about starting to discover personal development and um, I was what did I read? Um, Susan Jeffers. Um, oh, yeah. uh, what's it? Ah, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the book. Anyways, feel, like, the fear. Ent- fear the, feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Feel, yeah, the, fear feel the, fear the Fear and Do It Anyway. That's you know, so kind of entry level personal development, but but yeah. I think everybody, if anyone's listening to this and they're kind of, they're just not even thought about any of that stuff. So, you know, if there's any books that we've talked about here, The Power of Now, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I ended up doing the landmark forum. You know, people um, people I think people with a strong faith actually can quite often have a, a greater degree of personal awareness and I think discovering that for yourself, you called it an awakening. I think it's so important for the people to, to go on that journey and and there's and, and a degree of of of, of what we'll teach and, and, and encourage people in Team Superdad is, is to be aware um, and is to believe that there's, there's, the, the, the universe is out there for us, that there is more good in mm-hmm. the process of life than bad, that if the more we think about and focus on our goals, the more likely they are to come to us. Yeah. The more we subconsciously think on bad things, the more likely the bad things <laughs> oh, going to happen.
1: I <laughs> people that worry about getting sick. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. It's a fear. It's to become aware there's nothing to fear. And the other thing I've learned on the journey is everybody's journey is personal to them. So I do my best. Sometimes I mistake. Sometimes I fall off and forget. I forgive myself for it. But to avoid trying to criticize other people's journeys. Just that's not my work. I focus on what I do. Law of attraction will bring people into my energy field who are open to hearing what I do, those who aren't, those who I have, you know, some people, they, they're not interested, that's fine. doesn't mean I can't get along with them. What they follow is up to them. And that's where I think religion is changing, so-called traditional religion. Many of them are becoming more open to that concept of let everybody believe whatever works for them. Yeah. So, you know, it's very, but it is about, encouraging people to connect with their inner self, that part of themselves which knows everything. You see, it's like, and not to deny it, just to be aware of it, where your feelings, your feelings are giving you that that intuition. That's your inner guide. Intuition, if you break the word down, means inner teacher. So that's what to listen to. But most of us, were too busy up here.
0: and And if someone's never really if someone's
1: unsure if they've ever felt that
0: mm. where, where could they look to, to to do an audit how could they check well, themselves
1: well i think something early days look for a mindfulness group teaches mindfulness and i mean this comes into our sexual practices so it's unbelievable yeah. how this will change any, there was some yeah. i just feel like real bait someone who's
0: never yeah. really yeah just someone sits, thinking, group. i've never heard my intuition speak what yeah, could they yeah. What could they do at home this afternoon or this evening to, to sort of see if they could first
1: tap into that? Get quiet. Switch off everything. Switch off everything. Sit down. Close their eyes. Focus on their breathing. Just bring their attention to their breathing and see what comes up. And then maybe ask a question. Say, what is the best thing for blah, 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 for me to do about, blah, blah, blah. And then just get quiet and see what comes in, what comes in, what comes in. Because whenever we ask, we'll always get the answer. And it may not come in that moment. It may come, something may suddenly pop up on the TV and you think, oh my God, that's the answer. Yeah. That's what I was asking. It can come in different form. Yeah, uh, absolutely. uh, 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 Absolutely. uh, I mean, I, 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 I could not get on a dance floor, Johnny. When I got sober, I realised I'd never been on... I was 51 when I got sober and I stopped drinking
0: alcohol. So
1: Sorry, wait, sorry just bit, we kind of missed... Oh, yeah, we yeah. could
0: talk for hours, John. This is crazy. Yeah, 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 no. Were
1: you an alcoholic? or? Well, I don't use that term now. I don't use... No, sorry. Okay. About. But I mean, for other people, they technically they would. But That's you were...
0: Right. What, no, was, what do they call was, it? Like a like a like a functioning one, or
1: yeah, we, oh, very. I was very functioning. i was running a fantastic business, a family, and everything. All the all the things that the you know big house, the big cars, the big home, yeah, all the rest of it. So I was very. Functioning. What we're we talking is like absolutely mullet or or
0: just a, a bottle of wine a day, or, or you know. A,
1: no, it would be it would be a, a daily intake, a daily intake. So within a French, the, a French the, person, they would
0: say, "Of course, I have three glasses of wine a day." They're, yeah, like,
1: but you see. Um, Problems with alcohol have got nothing to do with how much you drink. It's about what happens when you drink. Right, okay. So there was a change in mood in me. All right, sometimes a positive change. So as I said, I developed this confidence, which I didn't have. You know, people would say things to me. They'd say, oh, my God, I wish I had your confidence, John. This is while I was drinking, during my drinking time. And inside, this voice would say, like, oh, my God, I wish they knew. I wish they only knew. all. if only they knew, they wouldn't like, you know. Because so
0: they think they're giving you a compliment, and actually you're just
1: loading up more guilt. Yeah, yeah. Because that's not how I felt. Yeah. It was all the really, the alcohol. I still say, you know, that was a positive thing for me. I would, I, I'd never have got my masters at such a young age, being captain of a ship, because I was terrified. I was riddled with fear. Dutch courage type. That's yeah, the, Dutch courage, that's yeah. exactly. So anyway, coming back, now, I I had never been on the dance floor, and I've got sober. And I was at a convention, and I and one of the women said, "Do you want to come and have a dance?" And I absolutely in, in just distinct in the moment said, "No, no, no, sorry, I don't feel well." <laughs> I used a woman's, woman's excuse. Was it a nice lady? Yes, she was very nice, and yeah. I, would have to, I, I would have loved to have dance. It was like knee-jerk action. I was so ashamed and felt so good. I went to my bed and I lay there, and I looked up on the ceiling. I still tell you, it was at the um, Clacton. it was in Clacton. And I asked the question, why can't I get on a dance floor without drinking me? So I asked. And I'm a firm believer today that whenever we ask, we always receive. On the next didn't take me long. The next day I'm at college. By this time I've given up my business and so I was studying to be an addiction counselor. I was at college and one of my friends came up and said, Oh, you want to read this book? It's called Healing the Child Within by Charles Whitfield. Little thin book. As soon as I started to read it, I said, that's the answer to my question. I can't get on that downfall because I've got this little boy in me that's riddled with shame and guilt about his body and what he looks like and all the rest of it. And I said, right, why? how can I get this healed? How can I get it healed? And again, a week later, I saw an advert on the right-hand side of this magazine saying, the Hoffman process, the best inner child healing ever in the world, a quote by John Bradshaw, who was a great author in the field of, you know, addiction and codependency. And then I looked and the head office was in Arundel. Now Arundel is the town where I used to run away from home and sit in the grounds of Arundel Castle when I was 11, 12 years of age because I was so, I wanted my own space. You can get away from my mother who was drunk. So that was the first thing. And the next thing was I phoned up and, uh, oh no, the other thing was this John Bradshaw who made this quote on the advert, I was in the middle of reading his book at the time called Healing the Shame That Binds You. So I saw that. I so said, that's it. And I just found out I didn't know anything about the course. I had never known anybody that had taken it. I didn't read anything about it. And I just picked the phone up and said, there's my credit card. Put me on the next one. And I came off that course. It's seven days. Very, very intensive. One of the most amazing pieces of work I've ever done. And you can't get me off a of dance floor. The minute music's on, I'm up there. <laughs> John Travolta. Yeah, yeah. John, I, I went up on the Monday after. I was going up to London, and I was on East Croydon Station platform, and the Italian guy that has the cappuccino thing there, he's got a ghetto blaster, and he had it on full blast. And so I'm standing there dancing. There's all these guys in these bowler hats going to, to, going to the city, thought I was off the wall. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. care anymore. <laughs> and, what, and, when, and when did you meet your...
0: Current wife Annie. How did you meet her? Did you um, did you think you were going to meet in someone, or, or
1: was it oh, that Yeah, off? yeah I, I had. Um, I never gave up on love. I've always loved women. I think they're one of the biggest gifts we have in mankind, in for many different reasons. I've never been a woman hater or anything like that. You know, misogynist or anything like that. So I knew that I wanted to meet somebody, and I'd also got to the point of acknowledging that I'd done all this healing. And I've done an immense amount of you know physical, mental, emotional healing, yet I hadn't yet looked at my sexual healing, because I had sexual wounding. And I said, right, I wanna I wanna heal my sexual self. You know, I was now sixty-three years of age. And I'd come out of a, a quite a long term uh, dysfunctional relationship. I say dysfunctional, lovely person, but five thousand miles away. There was another pattern, you know. What am I doing in a relationship? It's only 5,000 miles. How do you ever see it? It's only on the telephone. Wow. It's a, it's a pattern. Anyway, so I made that decision. I ended the relationship in a very beautiful, loving way with her. And then two weeks later, bang, ask, get you'll be good. And I was introduced to a woman who was a, a, an Osho. She'd been an Osho follower of Osho, you know. And she taught me a different way of having sex. And it blew me away. All these anxieties I'd had for all these years, boom, gone. And we knew that we weren't going to be a long-term thing because, yeah, we, we just accepted it wasn't it, that wasn't what the relationship was for. She again lived a long way away in the, the north, north of Northern England, and um, and then I met Annie because I was on a dot website, dating website called spiritualsingles.com, where you meet people who are awaken to a spiritual journey. yeah, And you can then look for people, you know, because it it makes a big difference if you've got somebody that's at least on a similar part. Of course. So anyway, Annie saw my profile and saw that I was Course of miracles. And she had been brought to the course of miracles through the death of her first husband. And then, by the way, I didn't tell you that her fiancé, who she was about to marry 10 years after the death of her first husband, she came home one day and he was dead on the kitchen floor. So she had that to contend with so she had two big wake up calls but anyway wow. she saw my my course of miracles thing and we met and it turned out that we would have met anyway because we were both signed in to a course of miracles speaker who was coming to london and we both knew the speaker and we both had signed up to go to that talk so we would have met anyway but here we are meeting as a result of meeting each other on this website oops i've lost you there Hang no, on. i think you just turned the video off that's all uh, uh, Hang on, hang on, No, hang you're, on, back, on. you're back, you're back, 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 back it's okay, you're back. 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 you're All back. Good. Yeah, so we met up in London um, for a coffee, and uh, that was it. We knew instantly. We had electricity. We held hands. We just touched hands, and there was electricity running through us. And, and uh, yeah, we've been together ever since. We've been together virtually 24-7. We pract- See, the lovely thing is, when, when you're in relationship with somebody that understands 100% responsibility, you don't get any blame. So, in other words, you'll never hear me say to Annie, "You make me feel this, and when you do that, no, 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 no." And she will never say the same to me. Yeah, It'll always and that's hey. That's so powerful in
0: a in a parent relationship as well. Talking to your kids, absolutely. Um, if you mm-hmm. know, I don't want anyone to skirt past that. Like taking mm-hmm. lessons out of these these fabulous conversations that we have, um, both in talking to people. In work, in a relationship, and especially talking to your child. Yes. Can you just explain what you're saying there? You, you never,
1: yeah, yeah. you never, you never blame the child for your emotions. No child ever makes you so angry.
0: You're making me angry. You're pissing me off. You're, yeah. you're you, you've upset me. That, yeah. yeah.
1: What is that doing? That deepens the child's sense of unworthiness, just like the parents already got that unworthiness. Otherwise they wouldn't be speaking that way. Yeah. And what it's doing, it's saying that. You're giving your power away so it's and it's not about a lot of people make the mistake of believing that this means i can't feel angry or i can't feel sad or i can't feel pissed off no 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 no, it doesn't mean that otherwise that becomes a spiritual bypass i call it where you go oh, oh, oh I, I feel good <laughs> this is about feeling the feeling saying oh and knowing that the feeling has got nothing to do with what that person, that child, or that institution, or what that government, or what that prime minister, or what that president of the United States of America is saying. It's only to do with my perception and my judgments about what's happening. That's what causes my disturbance. And that's where I take ownership in the moment and say, I have a choice. I have a choice. I can see this differently. Because when you make peace, your 100% first goal. And peace is, believe me, not a small gift. It's a mighty gift. So when you become unaffected, for example, people will often say to Annie, what, what do you think about Brexit? What do you think about... Okay, no problem. What'll it be? be. No yeah. problem. It's not going to affect my life. And that's not arrogance, meaning what about the other people? No. I can be more help to anybody in the world when I am peaceful, loving, and joyful. That's when I can be a help to my kids. Yeah. Because the greatest gift you can give your children is your own happiness.
0: Yeah, and in very similar to what you're saying, I spoke to Tolly Buchan uh, once. I was, he, he did like a group Q&A session, and he said he said, um, he said you know, quite, quite flippantly, he said, oh, no, I, I haven't been angry since 1982 or something. It's <laughs> like he had a very specific date. And, and he said he gave up being angry. Yeah, Like it's, it's, it's not a thing in his, there's no anger, angry state of angriness, and, you know, yeah. in his world and the freedom, you know, he went on to explain, kind but of the freedom that gave him over his relationships, his, his own upset, his, his ability to love others, his ability to manage situations, um, seems kind of woo woo, but also actually when you just break it down and go, Wow, what if I was never angry with my kids? Like like you say, not, not being upset, not, not making sure they're tired of their bedroom, but where can I where can I be in control of my feelings and, and own own my
1: words? Yeah. And that's why, Johnny, it's essential. To be a good parent, you have to look at your own childhood. Some people say, Oh, I don't need to go back there. I don't okay, fine. Just see how your life goes. Until people look back and see you see you either pass it on. You work it out or you'll pass it on. Yeah. It's always one or the other. And that's exactly what it's about. So it's not my kid suddenly starts painting, puts paint all over the, you know, bedspread and whatever. Whatever it is, you know. Of course, not acceptable, right? Has to be changed. But that does not equal me having to disturb my peace of mind by getting angry. And if people say, but that's everyone gets up. No, 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 no. That's the first thing you do with people. Start owning your statements. I get angry. I get angry. You don't have to. That's why you could line up five different parents and put the same scenario to them, and maybe three of them will get angry, but two of them will say no. So you can st- it's not about you don't correct the child. It's about the energy in which you correct them. You can just as easily say, you know, Johnny, and always I always say to parents, always tell your children and everybody, what you want, not what you don't want. There's a line in The Course of Miracles that says, never make another wrong. Now, some people say, well, what how, how can you not make somebody wrong? It's not saying that there won't be things that are unacceptable, but you don't talk about what's unacceptable. You talk about what you want. So in other words, a situation like that, you say, Johnny, I really would love it if you... Uh, took great care with that paint, make sure it stays in the pot. And And when, when you start to just use these little tools, and that's why I took it into football and had stupendous success working with Africans in the township in South Africa, just by talking about what you want, not what you don't want. You hear many coaches in football say, don't do this, don't do that. You know, don't dive in in the penalty area. Straight away they dive in because the subconscious mind cannot process negatives. Subconscious mind works on words and pictures. So if you somebody say to somebody, don't dive in, all they see, they hear the words dive in, and they see dive in. And you can test this yourself with children. If you've got young children, give them something to carry and say, don't spill that, don't spill it, don't spill it, they'll spill it. Yeah. Because if I say to you right now, okay, Johnny, close your eyes and picture a pink elephant. What what comes into your mind? You see a pink elephant, right? Totally, yeah. Yeah. Now, if I say to you, right, close your eyes and picture don't, what's the picture that comes in?
0: No, you say don't picture a pink elephant. You, you, still, th- you yeah. still think of a pink elephant.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Don't picture a pink elephant. You still see a pink elephant. Yeah. Because if you try and picture don't, don't doesn't bring up a picture.
0: Yeah. Don't spill it. They're so like,
1: instead of of saying, hold tight, hold tight, hold tight.
0: Yeah. And and I've learned that I I, I try that so hard with my kids as well is to, is to speak in that way. And some of the compliments I've had about my children recently and bearing in mind, they've been through the divorce and that's been tricky mm -hmm. for them, but I've had people compliment my children on how, um, gracious they are, how confident they are, how how open they are and, and willing to speak to people, adults, young people, stand up. And- I
1: witnessed it, didn't I, with your little- Oh, yeah, you totally yeah, did. Yeah, the, yeah. Thank you for... for uh, feeding that was, was it Josh? Jago, Jago. 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 I knew it was a J. Yeah. Yeah. They had a beautiful angel. See, they're angels. They, sometimes parents need to remember they've come to teach us. And what have they come to teach us? They've come to teach us how we used to be and how we can get back to being that way. Yeah. Because life is about having fun and joy, not about struggle. It's programs, it's programs. I always say to people, imagine you're like a computer and you've had all these programs put in, but the great thing is, you know, just like with your computer, you can erase them and put new programs in, and it's got nothing to do with age. I'm living proof. Yeah, I am totally. to I'm having the most choice life.
0: Wow, John, there's so much we could talk about. I mean we, we, we're um, we're gonna, we're we gonna we have people listening for hours here. I think uh you know there's when I when, when I meet certain people and we and we really click, there's such a connection around the goals and intentions of Team Superdad and to um to put together perhaps a worksheet or a, or a, you know, we'll have a, we'll have a webinar together for some, for some team super dad members. And, you know, we can maybe work out Mm -hmm. a way where you can really do some coaching with people for an hour. So that actually some of these awesome things that we've spoken about today, we can put in place some practical ways that they can access these things, talking about intuition, talking about getting over grief, talking about, being present in the moment, forgiveness, responsibility. I think there's a, a, a really great opportunity here mm-hmm. to 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 put something together for the for the team Super Dad community. So, my little question for 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 the end of these things, I, I feel I feel awful that we're going to have to have to come to a close. But clearly, there's definitely a, a great opportunity to get together again. But my final question is, what have you learned about yourself that you wish you knew when you were younger?
1: What have I learned about myself? that I wish I'd known is that I am beautiful, innocent, holy, which means whole, whole, perfect gift to life, and that I'm here to join with others and enjoy life to the full. That's my purpose. My purpose in life is to have fun and joy and then to extend that to others. And I okay. wish I'd, I wish I'd known that, you know, and that what other people think of me is none of my business.
0: True, That's that's two very powerful things.
1: What's more important is what I think about them. That yes. will decide on how because your I relationship think.
0: with them is going to be determined by how they feel, how they are towards you is going to be determined mm-hmm. by how you how you are towards them. Exactly, exactly. And I, 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 you know, I, for, for me, just to acknowledge you and your age you know people people talk about age like it's this thing that we can't talk about anymore but to have someone in their 70s who's been to 104 countries who's got five children how many grandchildren six, six, six children six children six, how
1: six, many
0: grandchildren six six grandchildren six yeah. grandchildren you know so when when someone with that much wisdom says I wish I'd realized this about myself when I was younger and, and, I, and I'm not and I wish, you know, not going to pay, not going to be bothered by what other people think of me. I want people to really listen to that and think, okay, to what degree am I aware of that? To what degree am I incorporating that into my life? Because hmm. if we don't listen to people who walk this path before us, then we don't really stand a chance. Um, hmm. And so I'm, I'm so grateful to have spent this time with you today, learned so much about you such wisdom to pass on uh, to others, but also to take on board myself.
1: So, and I'll John, say one thing, Jolly, if I may. Yeah. Many people question Annie and I, and they say, it, so they say, why well, you look so young? And we say, they, they say, can you tell us why? Well, I said, yes, we have sex every day. I'm a great believer in everyday sex. Keeps you young. And it's ageless when you're taught how to do it. Awesome. Well
0: we de- I don't know, we definitely will have a, 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 a longer talk on that. But well, John I want
1: to thank
0: you. You, Where can people where can people connect with you and work with well, uh, you and
1: two, two websites? We have one which we is wetalkaboutsex.com. we talk We talkaboutsex.com. So I'm John at WeTalkAboutSex.com or miraclesrock.com and I'm on John at miraclesrock.com so take a look whichever one draws you and and, it's quite, and I have to acknowledge you Johnny because I think it's always a I think it's an inborn thing that one always admires somebody who has abilities which is like com, you know complements what you do but you don't have them and what, the way you put this together sensation I love it I think you've done a wonderful job and I appreciate it. I appreciate having this time with you because you're oh, a lovely guy. Thank you. Likewise. I
0: know, clearly, I can't wait to have um, more opportunities to involve you with Team Super Dad and, and to
1: share your wisdom further. Can I tell you who you remind me of? I always think we've got doubles because everybody thinks I look like Michael Caine. You see, I've been stopped in the streets. <laughs> oh, I'm, like, oh, I'm sick. I mean, Not really. You remind me of uh, a wonderful footballer we have at Brighton, or we had at Brighton. He's just come back again now. To act as a coach you have a look at him so it's called steve sidwell Steve sidwell. i know steve sidwell yeah he used to be at chelsea reading you have a look at him put put a red wig on you Yeah, exactly. As I a fantastic thank you johnny
0: brilliant john and i will get a few you know there's different books we've mentioned and stuff or i'll right. listen back to it and we'll put those in the show notes um so yeah John, once again, thank you so much to everyone that's listened to the end of the show. Thank you so much. The magic is at the end of the show, as I always say. So um, for those of you who have stayed this long, you're you, are, you know, you're of the, the 20% kind of thing, but, but the magic is here. So stay tuned for all of the podcasts right to the end, and, um, and I look forward to seeing you inside the Team Superdad community over on Facebook or on the website, teamsuperdad.com, and in the Team Superdad uh, program. Thanks again. Take care.
1: Thanks, Johnny. Take care. Bye now.
0: Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! I loved interviewing John. I, I mean, I love interviewing everybody, but particularly when you you start talking to someone who's got such energy and so many stories to tell, and how they weave into such a positive message. Team Super Dad is all about that. Basically, it's a positive message for dads uh, and mums. I mean, blimey, I I've been wrestling with this whole idea of, of, of is this only for dads and increasingly I'm wondering if it's actually about mums and dads of the same mindset uh, these we are people who want more from life people who feel empowered by their choices people who um, are fed up with being I don't know bored having things go wrong uh, and we really want to have more more out of our life and I think that the idea that that can't be for women or that there aren't you know imagine basically group of men and women in, in that in that uh in that mindset i'm thinking about our upcoming firewalking events and looking at some events for next year where we're going to have a a number of different speakers on the those six areas of, of life for the health wealth relationships faith fun and personal power and i'm really having a great time there doing some empowerment arrow breaking and um, bar bending on your throw and, and ultimately ending the day with the firewalk. So stay tuned for that. Come on over to the Facebook community and let me know, um, when you would like that event to be. We've got the Christmas. Um, I've called it the Christmas and New Year happiness course it's basically a hangout uh, a weekly video call and hangout for dads uh, and getting through Christmas and sometimes we don't have our kids all as much as we want uh, and other times we perhaps uh would like a few more friends and a bit more fun over Christmas. So I'm here to help. Uh, I can't do that on my own. So we're here together as a community to help each other. As always, thanks so much for listening. If you're still tuned in, then you are the crew that matter the most. Send me your ideas, thoughts and suggestions. If you haven't left that review yet, please go and do it on iTunes or wherever you're listening into. This is Johnny Jensen. Team Superdad out. Take care. Bye.
1: This has been Team Superdad. Find us at TeamSuperDad.com. Join the rebuild program and create the best life ever for you and your children. You are not alone. You're on Team SuperDad.